Hello, and welcome to Rethinking Legal Ops, a podcast by Speed Legal. I'm Ashwari Saxena, and here we talk to legal experts, industry leaders, and innovators about the many ways that legal tech is transforming the way we practice law. an amazing guest with us, Ashley Vest, the one and only. And we have another very, very special guest with us, Alejandro, if you can see him. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Ashley and Alejandro. Really, really looking forward to talking to you about all your work in legal ops. You're one of like the leaders in this industry and just so grateful to, to have you here today. Yes, thank you. Uh, admittedly, uh, Alex uh, Alejandro uh, does go by Alex, and he provides a lot of my um, inner peace uh, in the legal ops world. Which, um, if uh, yeah, I know other professionals, you know, moving, you know, at the speed of light. If you need a comfort animal, I do recommend a turtle. <laughs> They're extremely wise creatures. I think he's, he's listening right now and agreeing. So I'm not a little. <laughs> That's wonderful. And and for all our listeners who don't already know, uh, Ashley has had a lot of experience uh, working in legal ops. She's worked with Pandora, Dropbox, Asana, need I say more. So just can't wait to to dive in and uh, ask you some of our some of our questions that I'm sure our listeners are very 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 curious to get your insights on. But to uh, kick things off uh, very quickly, or, or also just in case, if you want to like let Alejandro do his thing now, so we don't like keep boring him. But I'm sure he has more interesting things to do. Yes, he's off for his afternoon meditation. Yeah, yeah, much more, much more wholesome. <laughs> but hey, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, legal legal ops and just sort of like streamlining a lot of like the legal work that is that takes a lot of meditation. So I think that's where his ideas <laughs> come from. And uh, actually, just to start things, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your academic and professional journey and how you sort of ended up working with legal ops? Yeah, it uh, it was interesting. I was at a tech company um, here in the in the Bay. This is many many years ago, uh, and my manager, uh, you know, at the time I was on the, the engineering side. Um, you know, I had uh, worked with teams in L and D, HR. Um, most of my projects were, or most of my work was really project-based and a lot of it was implementations. And then at that time I was actually doing hardware. So, you know, putting in racks of servers and network attached storage in data centers. And my manager uh, came up to me and said that, you know, somebody on the legal team, you know, was asking uh, for help and he wanted me to go over there and, and speak with this attorney. And it was really that conversation and then the, the project that came out of that conversation that really brought my awareness around just how uh, creative uh, the intersection of technology and legal actually is. Um, you know, in summary, it was the, the use case was the company had had done, I think at that time, 80 mergers and acquisitions. 
and just all the the records were <laughs> were just uh, all over, you know, just all over the place as you can imagine. And the uh, employment team really just wanted a centralized way to access um, particular employment records. And, and so the, the project was really about bringing them that. Um, it was an experience-based uh, outcome. And uh, yeah, that from there on, um, everywhere I worked, I volunteered to be the, you know, the IT uh, legal business partner. And I just, I worked with so many talented uh, lawyers and non-attorneys over the years. Uh, and it was, um, I think it was my job at Pandora where the GC pulled me aside and, and she said, you know, you're, you're doing this, you're doing legal ops. And I was like, huh, <laughs> you know, I hadn't heard of it. And then it, it just went on, you know, I found clock and, you know, all the, the, the founders, I would say of just the role and, um, you know, the Marys and, and Connie's out there. So, yeah. That's wonderful. And um, I especially liked how you sort of talked about this, it, you know, you were focusing on like an experience based uh, outcome, which is, um, you know, back in, um, I, I think until like uh, 2017, 18, a lot of lawyers were not even like thinking or talking about like, you know, what the experience is like dealing with a bunch of legal documents. It was just something people saw as, yeah, it, it sucks, but like, you know, we just do it. You know, so it's, um, it's really wonderful how like, you know, I think like the leaders, the legal law, like you, know, you and like Mary, O'Carroll, Ironclad have sort of changed that, you know, over time. And uh, uh, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into some of your experiences around sort of leading that type of um, uh, this, you know, this like new area of, of, of work. But before that, I want to get your insights on what is the significance of tech in general and scaling um, in-house legal teams? Yeah, that's, uh, I think there's so many applications for it um, where it really hits, you know, kind of my passion and, and my heart is really around um, automation. And there's just always been a, a belief inside of me that people don't like doing repetitive work. Um, now, obviously that's a, it's not an absolute, um, especially, you know, I have, um, I have a, a daughter that is loves structure and, and loves, um, not that it's repetitive work, but she, I, I would say more structure to her day. So I think in every role there's, you know, a, a, or every team, there would be uh, an opportunity for some people to be like, well, I like, I like having this, this role, it's really clear. And then, um, and then there's people like, I'd say more, I'm, I'm kind of on the other end where, um, you know, I, I get bored and then that just to be honest. So my, my passion has always been around automation as a way of uh, leading to job satisfaction. You know, because uh, yeah, back to this belief, I had a belief that, you know, people will get, you know, just also like me bored or um, start kind of having an existential moment. Like, you know, am I here to 
you know, really, you know, input contract metadata into a database? Is that like my life calling or, or route things for signature? You know, just some of the things that those are examples are things that are harder to automate. Um, so that in and of itself, you know, scaling a legal team, um, going back to the automation, uh, processes that are predictable and repeatable, I think the tech, the legal tech, you know, kind of movement can kind of pick up those and, and free up uh, us, us humans to have uh, more creative um, work and I hope higher job satisfaction. Um, another big area is around metrics. So just understanding, you know, kind of what is the, the universe of, of the work across the legal team, you know, just kind of getting a, an understanding of that. That's a metric, you know, how long do things take? How many things do I have? And, and once you establish those foundational uh, metrics, and, and it could be just asking your team, you know, just it could be as simple as just a, a gut, like how, you know, I know you didn't count how many contracts came in, but about how many contracts do you think came in that that is a place to start. And um, that I think leads to really deeper, insightful conversations when it comes to again, kind of taking the metrics and now layering in automation, you know, like where can we stop manually collecting metrics and, and automating it? Um, you know, things like your product where I can see a day that, you know, and if you have it already, you know, just delete this out, but, <laughs> but a day where, you know, the, um, just the provisions in contracts, like where are the hotspots? And could that give a team, a commercial team insight into, hey, maybe we should rewrite this clause and, and make it more accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, just the whole scaling, you know, the the budgets, you know, for, for a while as well, I think you can kind of bring in people and then at some point, the the leadership just really has to balance. You know, does this make sense? You know, is the input and output, you know, giving us the productivity that that we had expected? What's going on? Um, That's great, and I, I I still really like you know how you sort of like bring bring like the people element to, you know to this as a business. It's like you know like higher job satisfaction just having a better experience with these types of documents, defining metrics to, you know, get things done faster. And, and do you think, uh, Ashley, you talked about automation, like the parts of uh, legal ops with regards to like, you know, just like tracking documents, you know, starting there, knowing how many contracts you have, like the different values that are expiring. Uh, beyond that, what are some, uh, you talked about also like some of the contract analysts, can you unpack a little bit more about how exactly legal tech can optimize those processes. Well, they can, um, if you're talking specifically just around contracts and knowing how, just how many contracts are coming in, uh, legal tech can actually count, you know, through the intake 
process, we can at least start to track how many new requests came into the, to the legal team. And in some cases, if you have a commercial team, specifically the commercial team, um, that would be one way of where technology can be at your fingertips versus what I had referred to a little earlier about manually, you know, kind of after the fact. Um, that comes to mind. Uh, another thing around contracts is how long, once it comes in, how long, you know, what, what's the quality of, of that request? You know, I was about to jump to how long until there's a first response. And I, I do think a lot of teams are responding, you know, when the request comes in and they're, they're laying out, oh, we'll get back to you or, you know, we have your request, you'll hear from somebody on our team and, you know, whatever their um, standard procedure is a day, you know, some teams uh, are same day. Um, but I also think there should be there could be some consideration about what's the quality of the, of the request um, because just simply attaching a contract and initiating a request doesn't mean that the person on the other side could even get started. Yeah. Very yeah. important point there. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And um, and when, when it comes to, you know, planning around, you know, what kind of legal tech tools to buy or just in general, like, you know, like tech strategy at businesses, like what are some of the key strategic considerations that go into that? Yeah, the, um, that, that, that is really unique, I think, to the business, the size. Um, I've had my philosophical approach to all this and you know I'll zero in on contracting again because it's you know an easy easy area to to discuss is around uh records like really really understanding where your records are first has to be the the consideration from you know if you're building out a, a contracting program or strategy you, you have to have them all, maybe not in one place, but you have to know where your major repositories are, you know, at least, you know, the inbound, the outbound world or the, you know, sale, the revenue sales contracts versus the procurement or vendor contracts. Those should really be housed in one place. Um, I've seen some teams try to jump in to the contracting world for whatever reason uh, at the metrics level is what I would call it, or kind of more of the insights. Um, and it's, you know, without really knowing where all your records are, the, the insights that people make around them are, are probably op more open to um, not criticism, but, you know, just like people want to trust the data, right? We've, we've all been told in, in school data doesn't, doesn't lie <laughs> data, you know, like you, yeah. And, and if you're somebody that's reviewing data and, and you know, or you, you know, your intuition is, I don't think this is the whole data set. 
it's hard to get to that kind of actualization or insight stage uh, before doing this foundational work. And so I think just strategic um, considerations for kind of building out these programs is just start with the foundational work. If you're not quite sure what it is, it might be a new area that, that you're working on, reach out to your legal ops peers because the community is big and growing and someone somewhere will have done it and learned um, and will, and people like to, to share their experiences. So don't try to go alone. <laughs> that's another consideration. Yeah. yeah, that's so important to like, you know, learn from other people and just like have like those sort of open conversations as like speed legal and they're like you know, thinking about the product and stuff like that. We were, um, you know, like in late February having these discussions around, maybe we should have this feature, we should have that. And, um, you know, this is how the product should be. And like, we were like, you know what, let's just open up the conversation. Like, you know, like the ideas that we're coming up with in like a closed room, let's open it up and just like talk to more people and like properly understand what the pains are, what are uh, the strategic considerations other people are, are looking into. And um, just also talk about, you know, legal ops in general because like I've had so many conversations with my friends like just privately about yeah the way legal work is done it's not the best it's not efficient it needs to change I just wanted to have a platform you know to do that so we like started rethinking legal ops sort of like you know thinking along those lines like it's so important just to reach out to people and talk to them because they do genuinely want to help and there's just so much you can you can you can learn when you uh, you know, if you're just working alone in your office versus like, you know, going out. Um, um, I was uh, speaking with um, um, a, another attorney that we interviewed um, on Rethinking Legal Ops and she, uh, Tara Transom, she's amazing. Uh, and uh, she um, told us that like, you know, her company once had a contract that had been auto renewal phase since like 1996 or something like that. <laughs> and no one, no one really thought about it. And, yeah. You know, it's when you connect with people, like, you know, that's when you get these like stories and yeah, very, very much agree. Like businesses are people. So I just really resonate with, you know, sort of how you kind of bring everything back to the, the people, the people element. Yeah. People will, will help you sequence the work, you know, cause there's so much work in, in these, in these areas, you know, contracting outside counsel, you know, managing corporate entities, like they're almost jobs in and of itself. Um, and I do, I do see a lot of um, my legal ops peers having to wear many hats and they get thrown so much. So yeah, that, like we're both reinforcing talk to your network. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then bring what you learn back to your team. Right. And so it's like you're opening up like you're, you've connected some dots and now the, the people that, that know your business the best can really um, optimize some awesome solutions. Yep, yep, exactly. And, and I think that's also exciting right? because so much of legal work is now uh, becoming more about like crafting legal solutions rather than just like, you know, giving legal advice and that involves leveraging all these skills from different, you know, uh, different disciplines. So like a multidisciplinary approach, you go and talk to people, you go bring it back to your team and then you create something innovative. I think that's 
that's just such an exciting time uh, to to be um, graduating from law school or to like you know starting out your legal career because it's just so much you can do and I'm grateful you know for people like you who sort of like started these things you know earlier and uh, now you know you get to take advantage of this you know the digital transformation of law um, and Ashley what kind of tech trends are you currently most excited about? Oh yeah well I'm I uh, I don't know if I could share this but I'm most excited about what you're doing at <laughs> Speed Legal I know that <laughs> probably should not be you know I, I understand that I'm here on a podcast but um, it's it's really tied to that future of work and just I saw and I know you and I talked about it earlier um, in the week it just that accessibility I had never heard it framed like that and it and I just can't stop thinking about it so um, yeah tech trends like future of work and then how does legal fit into that and and I think it was you or, or Hans Paul somebody was like hey the first contract you come into contact with is an employment agreement and I'm living this with you know helping my my you know neurodiverse daughter launch into the world and I can't wait to have a product where I'm like let's let's upload it to speed legal and it will just break it down into clear uh, words and and you know like what is what is all the, what does this clause mean it means this um, because particularly my daughter uh, she would feel uncomfortable signing something if she hadn't you know walked through and understood and um, you know I'm all she has is me right now so I'm the one and I'm not a lawyer and so I get a little tripped up and have to do some searches on the internet and then I can kind of spell it out so um, the other thing I'm really excited about is just how the the humans and the machines you know the uh, the AI and the, the bots you know substitute any you know non-human you know performing work, um, I'm really excited to see how that hopefully story might change um, over the years because I I don't know about you, but I feel like it's at least in legal, I feel like it's been a little like mm, we don't we don't want your your AI around here, you know, like we have a whole team of <laughs> lawyers and um, billable hours <laughs> yeah yeah but i i just hope that 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 story shifts to we have this whole team of lawyers and we want to give them work that they want to do that they feel more inspired more passionate about more impactful um i am in outside council operations i can't tell you how many times people have honed in on the in-house side to managing outside counsel simply because they want to have an impact mm -hmm. and and they know or they they feel they have this current story in their head that the only way to have an impact is to control where the money's going and if you're trying to change kind of a paradigm or how law firms 
um, our billing or, you know, how our law firm's hiring. Like, I can't, I can't think of any other industry where the client is saying, who are you hiring? Is what is your diversity look like? And yeah, I mean, maybe there are, I mean, I just, then maybe I've been just too kind of isolated in my, my legal world, but I, it just seems like more, the, the more people I talk to, the more I hear, no, I really want to stay in this type of work because I want to have an impact on DNI and, and diversity, inclusion, belonging. Um, and I'd love to, to tack on accessibility. I hope there's an A in there some, some, somewhere. Um, so those, those are the, the trends um, that I'm most excited about and and you hear a lot about that from me so <laughs> thank you yeah. for listening <laughs> of course no and i think those are all extremely important things and i think we're like so beyond the phase where you just like you know work is done the way it is you just sort of learn strategies to deal with it and like you know you don't try to like change it and i'm just so excited that i mean there are so many entrepreneurs out there and like just like the opportunities are limitless you know you could uh, build something to solve one problem you could do that for like a few years and you can go solve another problem so it's uh it's uh it's sort of a very it's just exciting to be in the bay area like in the silicon valley like um um interacting with all these like innovators i was recently speaking with someone who's uh you know working on like a vr ed tech tool for especially for like you know new neurodiverse learners and um he was you know one of the uh, one of the few people i talked to was more like not approaching it as like a disability, which, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about it as like, he was more like, our brains just work very differently, everyone. And, you know, I yeah. think we just need to leverage the power of how different each of our mindsets are, each of our brains are and how they work. And that really is the future, um, you know, of work where everyone focuses on their strengths and then like, you know, um, adapts, adopts tools or strategies, whatever to cope with areas that they're not so good at because we can't all be good at the same thing in the way that offices are set up and just the way we've been working i think for like centuries now it doesn't really cater to that it's like very sort of like standard and um i'm not even gonna get started on like standardized testing and things like that but <laughs> <laughs> which i think is I, I think it might have by the way if you're talking standardized testing like act sat I went to a college fair and I don't think it's a thing anymore. I mean, unless it's like Ivy League or Ivy League, um, there are some universities that require it. Um, maybe, I don't know why, but at least in the neuro um, diverse communities, um, they have figured out that one four hour test and, and especially in a community where there's a lot of anxiety in that community around test taking that it's not um reflective of four years of their high school work and yeah. so they're they're dropping it they have i'm so happy to hear this i remember reading something like this but wow that's that's amazing that personally makes me so happy and i think in the legal industry as well there's so many of our processes that we do need to optimize and change to you know make make room for like everyone to excel because everyone can it's just like different styles and techniques uh, of, of working 
Um, and legal tech is, you know, one of the keys that I see to, to opening that. That's what I'm kind of like personally, um, that sort of accessibility is very, very important to me. I think I've shared this with you before, but um, both of my parents are attorneys. So I kind of like grew up on hearing like, you know, things like, uh, um, notwithstanding, force majeure, just talk around at like the dinner table. <laughs> wow, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, I, I would find it fascinating. I just thought that my parents were doing magic with language or something, like, you know, coming up with all these words. But as they grew up and I started thinking about law school, I was like, wow, this is so inefficient because what is law? Law is about communicating people's, like, you know, a lot of them, like, you know, like contracts are communicating to people what are their rights and obligations, defining relationships and, uh, you know, implementing things and getting things done. And uh, why do we need all this jargon? Because if we're, you know, initiating a relationship, it needs to start from a place of good communication, right? That's what we've been taught in like our interpersonal relationships. So why do we need yeah. all of this jargon where you're having your lawyers sort of talk to each other, you don't understand what's in the contract, the other party doesn't fully understand, and it's just, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you really summarize that well. And then in, in business, as a business grows, those relationships, and again, I'll just, you know, kind of narrow on contracting, those relationships get a lot more complex. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a company that wants to allow, you know, people that don't work at your company to sell your product, what does that relationship you know the traditional kind of reseller and then okay maybe there's another company that they have to buy licenses from the software company but you're going to do the services so the the relationships get more and more complex and um just elaborating your idea of hey if just kind of the basic contracting relationship isn't really accessible and just understood by just everybody easily, you know, what what happens when more complex relationships start being discussed and then put on paper. And um, yeah, it's this would just all be, um, be, you know, easy for, I think, most of the humans to understand. <laughs> Yeah. So, so we don't need AI to tell us what, no, I'm just kidding. Like, what's the relationship? It's like, we should at least figure out what the relationship is. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was uh, also like lately, I've been talking to a lot of students on campus at Berkeley and I'm like, um, I'm asking them like, you know, you received an employment agreement. And so what kind of a role is it? It's like, well, it's a job. I'm going to go work. And I was like, is it at well, like, you contract there and they don't even know that much because you know they're just like i have a job i want to sign this and just sort of uh, move on and then i asked some uh, students and we did some surveys and like uh, what do you think is the biggest reason that like you cannot you know uh, you can't get remedies for like you know if something goes wrong with the contract and a lot of them said a legal is too expensive b i don't know my rights because yeah. legal is expensive and i think that's that's sad because, you know, or these people, they, these are like capable, smart individuals, all they need is the language to be in an understandable format. And we don't need to keep the doors closed, you know, within the legal community for, for, for something like yeah. that. So I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, like opening up the world of law uh, to everyone so they can have just as much fun with it, or if not fun, at least like, you know, they can have 
as much ease with it as uh, as, as I enjoy it personally. Because I, yes, the ease. Um, because I, I was thinking about just our conversation before um, this this moment, and I started to think. Yeah, I, I know you guys are, are going to do it. You're doing it. Um, you have the, really the right mindset, and I am cheering you on. Um, and then I started to think, okay, if, if you know, and I'm using my daughter as an example. Like, if my daughter sits down and now understands, like, what is this saying? I, what is she going to ask me next? And I, and I'm wondering if something around risk you know because everybody talks about risk in the contract and 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 ultimately reading and interpreting a contract i'm wondering is just a way of is this contract risky like what are you trying to decide you're trying to decide to sign it or not sign it or at, or negotiate right but at the end of the day it's risk and i'm curious if if we could get to a future, this is from, I'm such a big thinker. Um, I don't know if it's even obtainable, but a future where it's not only kind of the, the contract and the context, like what is it saying, but then some sort of statistical analysis on 90% of employment agreements are this, like you're, you know, cause, yeah. cause I still wouldn't, you know, depending on my background or where I'm from, I still may not have what I need to, to sign it. Yeah. You know, so there's that, that probability that the probability, like if you, if you want to go with maybe a spicier clause, mm -hmm. you know, to close the deal, yeah. you know, on the revenue side, it's like, what's the probability that this clause, you know, is something that will show up in court, you know, cause that's where I think us as humans, tend to, to go is we kind of play it out like what's the worst thing that can happen oh there's some sort of contract issue you're in court but i i've heard also that not a lot of court cases are around contracts so it's like why do we spend so much time yeah. here you know i'm just i'm curious so yeah yeah those are very good points and uh, I, I think just uh, collecting that data and making it again, like in an available and like an accessible format, like, hey, like, you know, this this is the salary you've been offered, like the standard in this industry, like, you know, the time is this much or the benefits package you're getting, like your insurance, things like that. This does not really comply with standard or your confidentiality clause that you're committing to is like way too broad. Like they don't need you to commit to all these things. Or if you're a company, then like, hey, like, you know, you could, uh, you sh you're offering too much or like, you know, your um, confidentiality is not broad enough, things like that. Um, I think it wouldn't, wouldn't it be the, the dream for maybe like a legal ops manager or even a general counsel where people can sort of go into the negotiation without having to write that email like, hey, what's like the standard? Uh, like, can you tell me? <laughs> and like the GC is getting like 20 emails or something like as they wake up and they're just getting all these answers that people could, you know, find the answers to with uh, uh, some level of automation so just kind of bringing back the conversation of like ease and accessibility mm -hmm. how important do you think is ease of access and a good user interface for any legal tactic actually yeah that's hands down um i think it's the most significant things a 
um, a platform can offer. Really, I, I know I've, I've probably said this so many times uh, throughout my career and, you know, some of my training classes early on, you know, at some smaller companies, I will start out by calming people by saying, if you can use Spotify or map my run, which are, you know, complex, right? Yeah. There's all, there's so many features in both of those platforms. So if, if you're a human that can figure those out without having to attend a lunch and learn, or some sort of video of how to do it, or some look up some sort of FAQ on an internal wiki. You know, if you can manage those two platforms without doing that, I think that is the approach we need to have for the intuitive UI. Yeah. And, you know, that's where I do think some of the, the newer technologies in the market challenging the older ones is you don't have to have a team of people writing training over and over again because as soon as it's written the next day it's outdated yeah i'm, I'm being you know obviously a little dramatic but <laughs> i mean it's yeah. it's i think a, just my philosophical approach is really i mean there may have to be training about the the words you're using kind of the, the business acumen right and like what is what does role mean here or permission because they can get a little nuanced but once you train people on the vocabulary that the platform uses to interact with with you i think that's that's where um the customers will become you know a company's kind of teacher because as soon as somebody really knows like you want your customers to be able to pick up the technology and run with it. Yeah. You know, like having like a strategy of, oh no, we're going to charge this for, um, you know, ongoing training and, you know, again, some roles like ad administering, I think probably would require a higher level of some sort of training, but, you know, just the day-to-day -day, um, end user I think should just be able to approach the software, get in, get their uh, work done, and get out <laughs> without too much trouble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I also remember, you know, like going back to my conversation with like Colin, Colin Levy from Malbec, asked him the same question, and he said, you know, sort of like similar things along the lines as you're saying. And he was also saying that, you know, if you have good relationships with like people, like if you do seem like a person that's genuinely trying to solve a problem for them and make their lives easier, you know, people would also be a little bit more open to like, you know, make that effort, you know, and to getting used to your technology and, and, and learning it, um, you know, and going back to your point about Spotify, like we want to listen to music, right? Like it's something that uh, we like doing. There is some level of dopamine that we get in our brain, like, you know, interacting with that because it gives us music. Um, at the end of it, and uh, I, I think those two points together are just so um, important for like you know legal tech uh, innovators and and founders to to think about like you know get to a place where people can really hear the music and like they know that you want them to hear like the music that they want to hear you know with the experience of using this particular tech tool.
Wow. Thank you for all your insights, actually. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned so much. I tried taking some notes as you were uh, talking as well, and I'm sure all our <laughs> listeners really enjoyed this conversation and um, your just your vast knowledge in this field and uh, your sort of empathy driven approach towards like people and like understanding like what the needs are and their experiences is truly, uh, you know, it's uh, I, that's something I, I, I really admire. So thank you for being here uh, and, and sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you. You you and Hans Paul and everybody at Speed Legal are, are also inspiring. And um, yeah, my my turtle and I will will be there for you for you guys, whatever whatever you need. You need some testers or feedback anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Ashley. Really appreciate that. And thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. Remember, we're here every week on Thursday with uh, more amazing guests. So, so stay tuned and have a, have a good weekend. The practice of law is changing and we're here for it. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Rethinking Legal Ops. Follow us for more such insightful conversations about the transformative impact of legal tech. Also, follow Speed Legal and let us know in your comments and messages about how you leverage legal tech solutions to make your work more efficient. See you next time.